Welcome to Financial Detox with certified financial planner and founder of Intelligence Driven Advisors, Jason Labram. Jason and co-host Alex Klingensmith share ideas on how you can steer clear of toxic advice, achieve financial peace of mind, and manage your wealth for maximum impact. It's time for Financial Detox. Hi, and welcome to the podcast. This is Jason Labram, and I'm in studio today with my man, Alex Klingensmith. How you doing, Alex? I'm good. I'm cool. good. This is the chill version of us, right? Uh, yeah, it's kind of hard. I, I had to tone it down there a bit. <laughs> this is where you're drinking a cup of coffee I and you have like a, yeah, tea. looking out on a, a lake. It's calm. We need a view. We could Our turn the TV on. Should we turn the TV on and have like uh, <laughs> maybe a little ocean scene in the background or, or just a surf video? <laughs> That'd be fun. No, <laughs> I'd zone out. So we are uh, rolling today with the Financial Detox podcast. And we're talking about a bunch of cool things today. And we have learned something I want to just kind of come out and talk about. We do this radio show as well, Financial Detoxes radio show. They are distinctly different. Unfortunately, it took me two years to learn that lesson. I'm a slow learner. Uh, some people might have learned that in two or three episodes. We're not professional marketers, so. We aren't Bear professional marketers, and we're not even professional journalists or hosts. What are we? Podcasters, Podcasters. radio showers, anything we, like that. So we give it a heck of a run for its money, I would say, given that we have no official training or experience. Right. Don't you think we do all right? Wing it, yeah. What do you think? Tell us. We want to hear from you on our podcast. <laughs> only if it's nice. Yeah, no. only if it's nice. Respond. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Actually, it's great to get the feedback we've gotten from people that have become clients because they've heard our show. Yeah. Actually, have given us the best, most critical feedback, and we take it. We totally. listen to their advice, and we, we modify. We change. Hey, we know it is the constant desire to improve both personally and professionally, and if you want to improve, you have to be open to constructive criticism, mm -hmm. right? And I think it comes kind of down to this whole podcast and the show that we're going to talk about today, which is really big blunders, right? Behavioral blunders. It's going to relate to investing and how you invest because our show is financial detox. And what we want to do is detoxify you from all of the toxic financial thoughts, emotions, feelings, media, sensationalism, all these things that go on. There is just an enormous amount of toxicity in the financial environment. So when it comes to your personal finances, there are so many ways you can be toxified. And just like in your health, right? There's so many ways you can put toxins into your body, whether it's too much alcohol or it's fatty foods or not healthy foods and you know all the different things you all know about, which we're not professing to be health experts, although we are pretty healthy. Here and there. Yeah. I had so, kale last night, part of dinner. Dude, that, I was thinking about that. That's so funny because last <laughs> night I was eating dinner. There was no vegetable. I ate like four carrots just because they were sitting there, right? Then I'm like, <laughs> but then I, I thought to myself in the night when I wasn't sleeping, I'm like, I need kale. <laughs> my body thought that. Like, Nobody my thinks they told, want kale. Come on. It was I just there on the plates. I ate it. <laughs> no, I thought I want kale. Like I need my body. I don't think it was I want. I think my body was saying, dude, I get nutrients. some vegetables. That's funny. You need some chlorophyll. Anyway, so- Chlorophyll. <laughs> Is it chlorophyll? Not the <laughs> plants. That, yeah, you're, yeah, you're on to something there. <laughs> so detoxification okay. is a process that all of our clients go through that we constantly go through. I think that this started three or four years ago, right? Right. Where you, I think it happened It happened all in one year for you, I feel it's like. Very I, I saw from like, I was an observer and I saw you, you were interviewing quite a few advisors at the time to join the firm. Right. They were coming from big, giant you know, Wall Street firms. And you, yeah, I think and you just got burned out after a yeah. few months of talking to 10 or 20 of them because so many of them just had this ingrained way of thinking about what they did for clients, for their clients. 
And it just was like, you just couldn't get through it. No. And I think it was like five to 10, but it was exhausting and there was no connection. Okay. I, a lot of great friends I have in this business and um, some of them do a very good job for their clients and whatnot, but it's a different way of thinking how we think it's a very group think, right? It's very fiduciary uh, not minded. Group think. It's very fiduciary minded and it's very much based upon the collective knowledge of all. Mm. We don't think that any one person is smarter than any two or three people in the room together. So we try and put all of our heads together to come up with the best wisdom. And most importantly, we do that so that we as leaders, as the financial coaches for our clients, avoid making behavioral blunders and avoid being financially toxified on behalf of our clients. We have to do that because if we're not pure and we're not clean and we're not financially healthy and thinking right, then we're certainly not going to be able to have faith and confidence and stand strong when our clients are very toxic and they're trying to pull us down or they're tempting us to change our ways to accommodate their current feelings. It is very easy for advisors to acquiesce to mm. what a client is feeling or doing to appease that client in order to try and keep the client and keep the client happy. And if you want that type of advisor, we are definitely not your team because we do not acquiesce to clients emotional desires and financial toxicity <laughs> we're rates. stubborn we're, we are we look <laughs> we know how to do this the right way we know how to invest and build a financial plan and tax planning estate we know how to do that what we strongly believe with 350 years collective wisdom is the right way to do it so we we just don't do it another way we don't acquiesce to mm -hmm. different thoughts and strategies it would destroy the benefits and the value that we provide to all of our other clients so here we are on a financial podcast show we're talking about big blunders that we've made others have made and things and we had some fun with this this we yeah. did this on a radio show a little while ago yeah and so let's let's rip it out because there was some fun ones which ones do you want to talk about well, alex so yeah to set the stage for just a minute to transition yeah. off that the, the, the backstory so this radio show we did was a fun one because it's not fun to make fun of these things. It's more of just everyone's human. We all make mistakes, right? We learn. So what did we say? Oh, I said something really good last time. I forgot what it was. No. Okay. If I make half the mistakes that you make, I'll get to where you got twice as fast That's and with true. less pain. Right. Not my quote. Somebody famous and smart said that, but <laughs> so if, if you know what those mistakes are, which we're going to talk about eight of them today on eight. the show, if you know these eight mistakes and there's, and they're irrefutable, this is just, this is a mistake. You know, there's no question about it. Mm -hmm. Don't make these mistakes and you'll get twice as fast, twice as far, twice as fast, that whole thing. Right. Right. So number one. You, yeah. Your you, favorite. Use is yours. Yeah, you, I'm doing it. I don't even uh, know how to do this. I one. don't even know how to do this one either. I know we did it on the radio show, but I'm trying to think about it. So, well, cause you uh, just bought a new car. I did. So I bought it. I, I bought a new truck. Didn't need it, but wanted it and could use it. I mean, it's okay. Right. Somewhat justifiable. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, it's crazy because I've had multiple scenarios where a client comes to me and under certain circumstances, they may not have the money to be buying a new car. They should be saving, right? Here's a perfect example. They're not saving for their kid's college. They're not saving for their own retirement. They're living check to check. And they say, I want to be, I want to retire at 65 or 62. And yet they don't have any savings plan. So I'm like, you need to start saving. Here's how much they can't figure out how to do that. But then they call me and say, cause they have a really, uh, they have an investment account with us. Right. And they say, Hey, the dealership sent me a notice and it said they need my car, my used car. I'm getting a new car. The we're, color, everything. We're buying a new car. We need to take money out of our account. I'm like, hey, wait, you're not even saving and you have not enough savings and yet you're going to take money out to go buy a new car. I don't know if that's a good plan. Tell me what you're thinking. Well, the dealership sent me a note and it said they really need these used vehicles and it just happens to be the one we want and they're going to give us top dollar for it. 
And I say, this, no, <laughs> today only. That's not true. They're just trying to get you to go in and buy a new car because they're going to give you less than top dollar, make money on your trade in. And then they're also going to make money on the new car. And it's a really good marketing strategy for the dealership. No, this one's different. They really, they just don't, there's a shortage of these, uh, infinities out there and they just really need my used 2014 infinity and so, in black. <laughs> and it's only got 60,000 miles. And so they really need one with only 60,000 miles and so on. So you get the point. And, uh, this, this person who doesn't have enough money saved is not saving for their future takes some of the money they have saved, what little they have saved to go out and facilitate this transition to buy the second biggest purchase we all make is our cars, right? And to buy that, holy cow, huge mistake. So what's unbelievably coincidental about this is I go buy a new car and I traded in my truck and I know I didn't get a great value on my older truck, but it was part of the deal. And I think I got a good deal. And I, my family used to own a car dealership. So I'm pretty good at negotiating car deals. Yeah. Scary. But anyway, so then what happened is two or three days later, I get a notice in the mail and it's them saying- They mailed it to you even? It wasn't the same dealership. It was a different dealership that sent something in the mail to me. It says, we want your 2016 Ford F-150. We want it. And they said, we will pay you today, no questions asked, the value of, I'm going to be specific here. It was $26,000, I think. And I had just traded it in for much more than that. Yeah. And I went, oh my gosh, this is the same thing I had that client tell me. About. Raise your hand if marketing works on you, basically, is yeah, the point of this that's story, right? So, so that's, <laughs> I took too long to tell that story. <laughs> it's okay. But was, watch out. For car, car is the, uh, you it's know, just marketing. Vehicles are the second biggest transaction you make. You buy a home, you buy vehicles. Or most, mm. most of the time, they are the second biggest high ticket item you buy. And transactions cost you money. When you go trade in your car, the dealership is not stupid. They, Hopefully they're not. They're going to make money on your car. They're going to give you less than they can sell it for. When you go buy a car, they're going to make money. No matter what they tell you, they are going to make some money. They should. They deserve to. They have yeah, a nice dealership. They in business. Right. They should. But every time you do that transaction, it costs money. So if you're on a budget or you're trying to save for your future, don't fall victim to these uh, temptations, the temptations of materialistic uh improvements in your life all right number two is you're you're good at this one too man you got to do number two also okay but you will you do three okay Okay. yes so number two (laughs) this one is a good one you can take a sip of your this is a podcast so you can take a sip of your green tea now okay i can (laughs) everybody listening can too Uh, all right, I was, you ever listen to Dak Shepard? Do you know who Dak Shepard is, right? I hear he's got a really good podcast. Uh, yeah, my wife Tish had her and I listened to it on our way up to Brian Head a month or so. I love ago. your wife; she's cool. She is cool. She's hip. She knows what's cool yeah. and current and everything. And like we, so we listened <laughs> to Dak Shepard's podcast for like an hour and a half. It was a long, long podcast, Whoa. but. And my attention span is not that long, but I was a captive audience for a seven, eight hour drive and Whoa. it was really good. He was good. All he right, I good. want to check it out. Yeah, you should. And plus my, my boy's name's Dak. So it's that's cool. right. Yeah. All right. So marriage. So um, this, uh, can I tie, let me see if, if I look ahead, I think this can tie into, <laughs> so look, when the market goes down, it won't most likely number two, all, this is number two, yeah, by the way, it, it won't go down and stay down. So what happens is people tend to get nervous when the market goes down. And the reason why investors get nervous when the market goes down is because they don't have a discipline and a philosophy and they don't have a financial plan. They don't have a big picture plan. If you end up getting nervous when the market goes down, you tend to 
human emotions you want to sell you want to get out it's like being a boxer on the ring and you're getting punched and you want to get away from that right you want to get out you don't like the pain so it's equivalent to this it's like you're driving down the road and you need a new suit i'm going to go with guys on this okay so you need a new suit you you know you need a new suit or dress or dress if you're a gal you need a new suit or a new dress you know you need it you're driving down utc and you pass nordstrom's and a huge sign says half yearly sell all suits, all dresses, 50% off. And not buying or selling in the stock market at that low would be equivalent to driving past that half yearly sale and saying, it's too cheap. Something's wrong with it. Yeah. Something's wrong. I don't want it. It's a half yearly sale. I'm not gone. And you wait. I'm going to wait until things get better in the market is how it goes. Yeah. I'm going to wait till things get better, which means I'm going to wait till Nordstrom's doesn't have a sale and I'm going to go in and pay full price. Think about the stock market like that. When it's down, people typically don't want to. They don't feel good. Although when you talk about real estate, people always want to buy when it's low. Yeah. Talk about the market. People are scared. So if you change your thinking on that, I think you can benefit yourself wildly by thinking about when things are cheap, when the market is down, the risk is then evaporated. The risk is gone. It's reduced. It's reduced. reduced. Thank you. Yeah. The risk- for, compl- for compliance. Thank you. <laughs> Jordy will be so happy. So the risk is taken out of the market some of it are yeah. reduced when the market is down. It's less risky to invest when the market is down. And so think of it as the Nordstrom's half yearly sale. You get to go buy the greatest companies in the world and you get to buy them on sale. And kind of a point to that too, just to because listening to that, you might think about individual stocks. I mean, I was just now when you said that. And so a better, even a better analogy is I'm going to go buy a whole outfit. And that's my, that's my ah. metaphor to diversification because we don't buy individual stocks here. That's not our part of our investment philosophy. Yeah. So, you know, we diversify through thousands of stocks, baskets of stocks and bonds. Yeah. So like a whole outfit on sale versus like the one suit. Cause maybe there's something yeah. wrong with that one suit. Right. Maybe it falls apart cause it was built or by like, the wrong stuff. Like or, when know. I bought from Nordstrom's and I thought it was blue <laughs> and it's actually kind of purple. It's not good. <laughs> so have so, you seen my purple suit? No, no, I haven't. It's I really interesting. I don't think I have, but I don't think it's good. <laughs> the number three. <laughs> This one is really, I bet every single person I know myself included has been victim to number three and we can avoid it by simply pausing, not taking action and being disciplined. And when you hear this, so this is getting financial advice from sources that either aren't qualified to give it to you or aren't qualified to your situation is not what they're talking about. So bartenders, well, no. So let's be a little (laughs) bit more sophisticated than that for our audience, but the news, right? The news is a very... I'll say something nice about the news. Last night I was I had no. dinner with a bunch of investor relations people. Oh, that right. were reti- so these are people that are very intelligent, very highly qualified that are, you know, kind of supposed to be helping companies report their information to investors. Okay. On big large companies. So the news is is built to sell news. Period. Okay. Yes, they're supposed to Raise. report the truth, but mm-hmm. they don't get paid to report the truth. They get paid to sell news. All right. So the news is going to then provide advice to people or ideas and and entertainment is how I look at it, really. Entertainment and information that I then can process as an individual and I can decide what is relevant to me or not. All right. Am I going to go and make decisions on my personal situation because of what I hear and read and see in the news? No, I should never, ever do that. Ever. Right. There's like zero, unless there's there's the news is saying that there's a, an imminent threat on my home or where I live in my city because there's like a North Korea is going to blow. Then I would d- take action on that because right. it's actually going to hurt me and my right. family. But then the police would be driving around. All those other news would, it would then be 
multiple sources. So, and that's kind of the point of this is that you need to get multiple sources of information before you take action for your financial life. Right. And then before you get even the next layer of this is for somebody to giving you financial advice, they actually need to understand your specific, unique personal situation. financial plan situation. Oh, I've got a great example. Yeah. Oh, 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 what oh, is it? Pick what me. is it? Pick me. Pick me. <laughs> well, there's no one else in here. So go ahead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just us. <laughs> this is a great example. Okay. So I'm talking to a client who's a great client and owns his primary residence, loves the primary residence, right? Says, this is, uh, this is my dream home. I love this home. It's great for when I have family over. It's great for, it's the, our dream home. Also has a rental. But he keeps telling himself he needs to sell his primary residence and go live in the rental because it's the downsize. Mm. But his financial plan tells us he's going to have millions of dollars at the end of analysis, aka death, millions of dollars. But yet, and he tells me, I love my home. This is my dream home. But I'm going to go live in this other home. I think I should sell my primary and go live here because I get tax-free. I get to sell gains. tax-free gains because we've lived in there two of the last five years, up to 500000 So he goes to a CPA. And he says, my advisor says I should stay in my good house, my, my current the house. The one I like. The one I like. And by the way, I'm not digging on the CPA because he's a really smart guy and he's totally accurate from a tax perspective. He, he says, but what makes more sense from a tax perspective or what makes more sense from a tax perspective? Should I sell my primary and move to this or should I sell the rental? Should I sell my primary and move to the rental or should I sell the rental? And mm-hmm. the CPA goes, well, no question. Well, if you sell your primary, you get $500,000 tax-free. It's going to save you $200,000 in taxes. You're going to lower your expenses. Then you can live in the rental for two of the next five and you could sell it tax-free. And, he's and like, then you're homeless. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> right. And, <laughs> you and sold I both said, houses. okay. So he calls me and he says, my CPA said he totally disagrees with you. And I said, well, he doesn't actually disagree with me. He's giving you very specific advice on one part mm-hmm. of your situation, the tax impact. It's a good example but of this, yeah. Number three. Your tax impact was very unimportant in the overall conversation of things. You said this is your passion, your dream home where you want to live, and you can afford it. No questions asked. So I agree. From a tax-only standpoint, you should sell the current. He must but have been so relieved that he gets to stay in his home that he loves, I'm right? like, don't sell your home. You love it. And so you've even, worked hard. You're he, really smart. You're a great guy. You've saved a lot of money. This is your dream home. You want to have your grandbabies come visit you in this home. Yeah. What are we doing going to go downsize your life when you don't have to? That's part of financial planning. The well, holistic. it's huge. Number th- that's part of number three that this is the most, probably the most qualified person beyond your actual comprehensive financial plan or fiduciary advisor would be your CPA. Yes. So this is qualified advice. However, it doesn't take into consideration your entire person. Situation, so that's so that's consider a problem. the source. You're consider great the point. source. I mean, number three, we've all done it. Some version of number three that your friend picks an individual stock and oh, they say they're making gosh. tons of money. So then you go buy the individual stock only yeah. to know it goes down forty. All kinds of we all fall victim because we want people love to give advice. If you ever want to make a friend, just ask somebody their advice on anything. It's a great point. And then they talk about it. And but then what do you <laughs> do with that advice? So that's important to just pause, check yourself, make sure it, 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 they know what they're talking about, and that it pertains to your specific situation. Number four, this is your favorite one too, man. We're talking about big big blunders that we make, things that we do as investors, as human beings, just in life. And we're, you know, all in the theme of getting your financial Don't make these mistakes. Right. Number four is yours, man. You got this one. Okay. 
I do. Yeah. Here we go. Investments, fads. You you have a voice and everything for some of this stuff. It says gold, marijuana, and Bitcoin. (laughs) Oh, the gold one. I can do the. Can I do the gold one, or is that is that where people think I'm being mean? It doesn't matter. Go for it. Really? Because I don't want to be mean. Just don't say names. Okay, I'm not going to say names, but I can mimic the commercial, right? I think it's fine. So the commercial goes like this, right? You're driving down the road. I've heard these seven thousand times, and every time I just vomit in my own mouth. That's disgusting. That is disgusting. But so, (laughs) sorry. So it goes something like this. Did you lose 40% in the stock market? Don't do it again. Don't fall victim to the stock market games. Buy gold. Gold is a safe place to put your money and you could do it with a gold IRA. Protect your value. Gold is a store of value. Been there forever, blah, blah, blah. So it goes on to tell you how wonderful gold is <laughs> voice, and that you should. The voice is ridiculous, it's, man. It's so ridiculous, but it's so accurate if you hear that commercial Who in the next day guy? or so. Is he the guy that does the Lion King voice too? Don't buy stocks no, it's a different and lose voice. all your money. Anyway, so the point is, look, here's somebody, a fad, right? This was huge. These commercials were literally, they must have spent hundreds of millions of dollars on gold commercials on radio and TV during the gold boom, mm-hmm. which happened back in 2011, 2012. There was a gold move to almost $2,000 an ounce. It had sky, it was great. It was moved up phenomenally well and it hadn't moved in 25 or 30 years. So it was about time, right? So they're out selling gold and this fad was telling you that there's no risk. Gold is not a security technically. So therefore they don't, they can make very misleading and promissory statements and they can They're say, not regulated. They're not regulated. I mean, they tell you don't lose money in the stock market. I can tell you, I've never known a human being in the world who has invested in the stock market, diversified, stayed invested and lost money over any substantial period of time ever on the earth because the market has gone up ever since it started because the crap falls out the bottom, good stuff comes in the top, and markets prevail over time as population growth and capitalism spreads around the world. Yeah, capitalism's grown. Yeah. So there has been no instance where somebody has invested in the market, diversified, it's gone down, and they have stayed down. There's been no instance of that. But yet this gold commercial tells you, (laughs) don't lose money in the stock market. Well, you only lose money in the stock market if you're not financially detoxified. Right. If you make the other mistakes we've talked about. The, the other fads that are kind of like happening now, I mean, Bitcoin just kind of came and went and maybe it'll come back, cryptocurrency, whatnot. I mean, the marijuana like wave of yeah. stocks, ETFs, whatever version of it it is. Most I mean, of those are wiped out and down substantially. People love talking about fads though. It's like everyone wants to be part it's of hot the news. next thing. Like yeah. the next, before it even is the next thing. And you know, I don't know. I, I liken it to being a lottery winner. You know, you can play and know that you can lose your money. And as long as you have that context around, like whatever you're going to put in gold, Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, for that matter, marijuana percent stocks, of your portfolio, maybe if be it's... willing to make it go away and it will go away forever. Gold could just become irrelevant at some point, right? Cryptocurrency I mean, could become irrelevant. It could. You know, gold is a store of value. There's enough demand for that resource. It probably won't, but crypto certainly could. When, when we had a client who's a really... Good client, very smart client. Bitcoin was about seventeen or eighteen thousand, and wow. um, and now it's five. But and it was three here a couple weeks ago. But anyway, it's so down to five. It was three for months here, but yeah. it's finally moved back up to five. He said to me, "Why aren't you paying more attention to these fats?" <laughs> and I'm like, 
uh, is that a trick question? Am I like, is there a candy camera or something? This is a, test, a test, right? For sure. Um, and I said, because we don't really chase fads, we kind of think about discipline and strategy and long-term wealth accumulation preservation. What's the matter with you? Why and would you be so said, responsible? Why aren't you paying I need you to do some research. I needed you to get up on this. So we got up on Bitcoin, right? So we did tons of research. We even did radio shows about it. Yeah, we got experts come down we on had the show. Experts, good friends, people we knew in the business. And, and, and the one thing that I said is, I said, how are they making money? Like, so Bitcoin, the coin itself is an exchange of currency or value some way, but they don't make money. I said, think of it like email or the internet. Like, does the internet, I bought the internet. <laughs> How does the internet make money? How does email? Now, I understand Bitcoin technology could be wildly, it, there's a lot of neat things happening with blockchain technology and all that that right. could potentially be huge somewhere, somehow. Yeah. But the problem is, it's like saying, I'm investing in email. And how do you, <laughs> okay, I bought email. Well, well, who's making money on email? When you send an email, who's making money on that? Nobody. When you go on the internet, who's making money? your internet provider, the person. So eventually there will be people who use Bitcoin to create a service. But if there's no service or value or good, goods or services being provided to consumers, then there's no real creation of value. There's no, there's nothing to sell, to monetize, to be an investor in. So that's what I couldn't get my head around. I saw it um, from the perspective of just like, cause I, I've lived across, I've lived um, in other countries like Chile yeah. and, and I, I saw it as just a simply a currency trading mechanism. Yeah. You know, if you can triangulate currencies and you can try to like, again, we don't do this, but I understand that people that do the, do do this, think of it that they can predict the future of currency movement. And so if yeah, you can no. predict the currency, if you're just moving Bitcoin from currencies and triangles, you could gain the system. You could try to gain the system really. Right. Anyways, fads. What do you do with fads? Watch out for fads. It's gambling. It period. is gambling. And by the way, if you go to Vegas and you play blackjack or poker, you get free cocktails. And it's a, you got, a blackjack, you have a 48% chance of winning yeah, there's if math you there. play correctly. There's mathematical 48% odds. 48% chance with free drinks. If you drink enough, you can actually make that like 50%. Or if you just, or if you don't drink at all and you get really good, they'll just kick you out because you'll end up winning. But Or they'll the, give you free rooms because they know that if you, eventually if you come back, that 2% delta is going to work out in their favor. I which think, goes to odds, Alex. Sorry, I know you're trying to move on. I am. But when, when you talk about odds, like that's how we invest. Oh, the, intel, the financial detox team point, yeah. intelligence-driven advisors, we play the odds. We do. What we do is we stack the odds in our favor so that we know there's a high probability, 90-ish plus percent, that we're going to maybe a hundred percent over time. I can now nothing's a hundred. Nothing's but 100. a very very high probability. We just stack the odds. Now we may not be right today with a diversified portfolio. Maybe a global portfolio doesn't outperform a U.S. only portfolio temporarily. Maybe a tilt towards value doesn't outperform temporarily. But we know that the odds are 86, 87, 88%. We're going to eventually win. As long as we play the game long enough, yeah. we will win. And that's the problem with fads is the odds are, are the, completely the opposite. You're the They're 1%. less than, less than 1% yeah. on most of this stuff. So yeah. where do you really want to put your hard-earned money and what kind of odds? So that's a good point. Fun yeah. to gamble on a couple things, though. <clears throat> Nothing wrong with throwing a flyer out there as long as you're willing to lose it all. Number five is an interesting one because the odds of land, so it's land. Okay. We, we put the land commercial. You have another voice for this guy probably, but the, yeah. the land commercial one is an interesting one because land, the odds of land in general, right? General, not every part of the country of every part of the world does land maintain and increase in value. But the problem around land is obvious. I mean, in terms of we're going to give money, where are you going to choose to invest your money? Right. Right. Why would you go and buy land development, but, entitlement, you know, 
building restrictions, all kinds of stuff. The mistake to learn around this one, I think, is if you're not an expert in this particular type of investment, you shouldn't just throw money around. And you also shouldn't fall victim to the commercials where they promise things that are not real. Can I do it? You can do it. I don't know if I can do this one. Well, it's like the gold guy. Hey, if you ever wanted to have lakeside property in Tennessee, we have beautiful lakeside property where you can get a 10% rate of return immediately. We are selling property right now at a highly discounted price for you in Tennessee on a beautiful lakefront. You'll have your own dock. It is wonderful. Gated community. Enjoy Tennessee property where the values almost always go up. Call us now for your free opportunity to Earn ten percent a year in appreciation of your Tennessee property. That guy doesn't sound like the gold guy at all. No, he's, he's cool. He's, he's got, got a lot me. of energy. He's, yeah, and- he's like, hey, it's Tennessee property. This is where you can do it. This is where <laughs> it's going to happen. And it, it um, may not be Tennessee, but it's somewhere out there. So don't just throw money at stuff. Okay, number six: confusing yeah. long term and short term when it comes to investing. I mean, everybody does this all the time. Time frames are everything. When you're an investor, you're an investor for life. Period. If you're not an investor for life, you shouldn't be an investor at all. Probably. That's a good. Point. That's it. I mean, that's, that's it. Number six. Right. I didn't. What if I'm about to retire though? Am I still an investor even after I retire? That's a trick question. You're just trying to mess with me. I'm just asking you. A well, question. are you going to die the day you retire? You're done. You're just dead. Probably not going to die. Probably I not. hope not. So once you reach that next phase of your life and you are retired now and you hope to live 20, 30 years of, of wonderful life, then you have, if you have children and grandchildren, then you think about the future multi-generational transfer of right. wealth. So there's never a time to stop investing right, if so you're going to invest. Even when you're retiring, sure, you're not in the growth phase. You may be in a, in accumulation a, a phase, yeah. decumulation phase, but you're still invested. You're invested, meaning I have my money working for me to create a paycheck for me or to create income for me so that I can live out my years in retirement. You're investing uh, strategy may change, yep. not your discipline and not your philosophy, but your strategy may change to move along with your seasons of life. But what a great example you said. You're either an investor or you're not. And if you're an investor, you're going to be invested when the day you die at a ripe old age and a hundred years old, you're still going to have an investment account and it should be built for your current situation, your goals and objectives. The strategy can change and move a little bit. We're focused more on income. We're focused more on this, but the discipline and philosophy doesn't. Well, even change. at that point, your investment strategy almost becomes that of your your beneficiaries. You it almost is. start to adopt. You're, you're investing money for I, your future. I think if for you your, if you your, short, excuse me, your heirs' future. Yeah, and if you shorten your time frame to anything less than that, you're reducing your odds of success, and yes. you're you're now you're you're treading water on gambling again. You're right. going back to the f- previous fad point number four and five okay number seven and eight we got to wrap up i think at this point number seven is a pretty obvious one i mean credit cards can be a very dangerous uh spiral downward spiral if you credit card mistake has been i got in college so when i graduated college and i moved out of the country and i was down in chile and it was um, so much fun and i just wasn't thinking about the future and i literally one day i was 22 or something which we've all been there but yeah maybe not everybody but i was yeah i'm like this i'm like dad this is awesome these (laughs) credit cards never end man they're great i had to come back in harsh reality and get a real job Ah. and pay off the credit card first and then you know it is nasty right and this kind of goes back to a dave ramsey type of mentality is just don't have debt if you're borrowing money unless it's freakishly low interest rates three percent on a 30-year fixed mortgage that you used to be able to deduct now you may or may not be able to you know maybe you can justify a primary home mortgage but credit card debt when you're talking eight nine ten fifteen twenty percent interest it is the death of financial freedom. Yeah. It will kill financial freedom like nothing else. If you can't afford it, don't buy it. Yep. We all live 
these extravagant, unbelievable lifestyles in America, right? I mean, our standard of living is just ridiculous. Even mm-hmm. the poorest people have a great standard of living compared to the rest of the world. You don't need it. If you can't afford it, if you don't have the money to buy it, and it's a materialistic desire or good other than straight up food to survive, and that doesn't mean ice cream and diet sodas and Starbucks, you just shouldn't use a credit card ever. Ramsey would be proud. Thank you, Ramsey. Um, <laughs> you proud of us? I, I love mean. credit cards for points. That means you pay them off every every single month. In full. No question. Before they hit 100% you with the interest. Yeah. Paid off. Yeah. Okay. The last one is the same kind of thread. I mean, 401k loans. So, I mean, there's the unique exception where if you need to buy your first home or if you buy a home and you get a 401k loan yeah. to facilitate that, I suppose you could see that wrapping into a potential you know, good idea. But if you're taking a 401k loan to buy a boat Not a or buy idea. the new truck or whatever right. because your old one, the dealership called yeah. you and said, so you take a 401k loan to hey, make that happen. How many people have done that? I'm certain thousands have. Yeah, it's just not a good plan because you're saving that money for when you don't have to work anymore. Two things so, uh, to be detailed and specific on the 401k. When you take a 401k loan, that money is now out of the market. So it's not participating in the growth of the market, which we know that about 70% of years, the markets go up and over time they go up. So you're going to be out of the market for most often they're a four-year payback. Also, your paycheck is now going to be reduced because you have to pay your loan back. Mm -hmm. So not only are you out of the market, not participating in that growth, but you're also reducing your future paycheck, making all your future obligations and your future expenses tougher to meet because you have less money. You have to pay back your own loan. So don't be confused when people say, and this is ties right back to getting advice from people who aren't qualified. A coworker may say, oh, I did a 401k loan. It's great. And they haven't even recognized or realized they're getting less of a paycheck and it takes four years to pay it back. And if you don't pay it back, they literally sell your account and charge you pre-withdrawal penalties and taxes, yeah. it can become a nasty deal. I, I think living within your means is kind of the theme That's of the, the last, of the last two. two. For sure. And they're mistakes that we've all, not we've all made, but that some people have made and that we want, if you can not make these mistakes because you've thought about it and, and taken other action first, you'll get there twice as fast. They're well, being comfortable financial peace of mind. Right. right. Yeah. And that's so valuable, right? To sleep at night and have financial peace of mind. I know if I have financial things going on, I mean, there's nothing that can be more damaging to a relationship, husband and wife. Number one reason for divorce. Number one reason for divorce. Number one reason for loss of sleep is financial stress. So the best way to avoid financial stress is to have a written, documented plan, discipline and strategy when it comes to investing and live within your means. Don't Mm. spend money you don't have. Right. Just don't do it. Our standard of living is great. Don't make these mistakes. Yeah. So anyway, (laughs) that was fun. We got through it. You know, we spent about 35 minutes or so talking about this. We were chill. Kind yeah. Of. Yeah. Contact us if you want to continue the conversation too, right? I mean, Jason at financialdetox.com is the email to send it to or just financialdetox.com. Yep. The website to check out other ways to contact us, listen to other older podcasts and radio shows and all kinds of other stuff, right? Excellent. Events. And we, oh, we have events. Yeah. Well, by the time you listen yeah, to this. Yeah, it may not be relevant. A, yeah. Okay. But yeah, we yeah, have so events throughout the year. We do Check have events. Out. You can find them at financialdetox.com and that will link back to uh, idawealth.com is mm-hmm. our business. And you can always give us a call at 877-707-8889. The purpose of this show is to help you, right? Is to be a consumer advocate. We're not here trying to get you to pay twenty nine ninety nine a month for our newsletter or trying to force you into being a client. We, we really want to be a resource to you. We hope it's helpful. We hope it's somewhat entertaining and we appreciate you listening. Again, financialdetox.com is where you can get it all. Alex, thanks for being here, man. You're always, it's so great to have you 
And uh, this you. is impossible to do alone uh, in, a, <laughs> in a room. And uh, it's just, it's fun to have Alex. He's a great guy who's a senior wealth advisor here at our firm and just a good dude overall. And so thanks, we're man. lucky to have you, man. Thanks for being here. Yeah. And thanks for listening to the show. Give us a call anytime. It's Financial Detox. And I'm Jason Labram. Until the next show, All right. talk to you then. The content of this radio show is provided for informational purposes only and should not be considered investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell any types of securities. Mr. Labrum and intelligence-driven advisors are not responsible for the consequences of any decisions or actions taken as a result of information provided in this radio show and do not warrant or guarantee the accuracy or completeness of the information provided. The information discussed today reflects the views of Mr. Labrum and his guests as of the date of the show and are subject to change without notice. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Any forward-looking statements or forecasts are based on assumptions that actual results may vary from any such statements or forecasts. No reliance should be placed on any statements or forecasts when making any investment decision. Accordingly, listeners should not rely solely on the information provided today in making any investment decision. There is a risk of loss from investing in securities, including the risk of loss of principal. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk, and there can be no assurance that any specific investment will be profitable or suitable for a particular investor's financial situation or risk tolerance. Asset allocation and portfolio diversification cannot assure or guarantee better performance and cannot eliminate the risk of investment losses.